you have your outline, uh, take it out this morning. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me this morning. We have a few scriptures that we want to, uh, to look at today. And um, matter of fact, we've been talking about prayer. And uh, Ephesians 3.20, if you want to turn there and look at that scripture, Ephesians 3.20. Uh, we've been talking about uh, prayer and the many things that go along with prayer. And last week we talked about prayer and hope. And you know, man, if you lose hope, you, you die inside, okay? And, but it's not just hope. It's, it's that prayer with the hope. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the, the power of prayer and imagination and, and how they work together, okay? And it's, a, it's a together thing. So on uh, <clears throat> May the 25th, 1961, President John Kennedy, he made an announcement that startled the world at a joint session of Congress about a goal and a dream that he had and uh, putting a man on the moon in that decade. And in 1969, it became reality as Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Now, folks, I'm telling you, they, they, there's more technology in this phone than they had back in that day. Do you hear me? There's more technology in this phone than they had back in that day. And he startled, you know, the people, a lot of people, when he made that statement. It's like, wow, that is, that, that's a biggie, okay? And there's other people along the way that's made statements, and, and it's about imagination, things that people could see. And, I, and I, I, I'm thinking about uh, some of them that come to mind. Martin Luther King Jr. made a statement uh, that moved a nation. I have a dream. Everybody remember the, the, the speech, I have a dream. It, it moved a nation. It, it changed a nation. It changed a nation, changed the fabric of a nation. It just, just changed things. And then uh, Ronald Reagan come along and, you know, making a speech and saying, Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And that mental picture of not just a wall that was there, but a, 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 a way of life that was, it was torn down of communism. And, and the communist states began to fall like dominoes. Somebody say amen. I mean, it was something that someone, is a vision that someone had seeing something. And that was his big thing to see communism pull down. And, and, and you know, he, it, it happened just shortly after that. Um, Barack Obama made a statement, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and the statement that he made and elected twice as president, uh, yes, we can. And he's talking about change. Yes, we can. And, and uh, then now we've got, you know, Donald Trump coming along and he's making a statement, you know, America could be great again. Folks, I'll tell you what, when people begin to make statements like that and the, men, the mental picture that people get and then there's more that is there, when you and I, as Christians, if we could put that with prayer into our lives of what God has for each and every one of us. I'm going to tell you something. God has a plan for your life. Somebody say amen. How many of you say the devil's a liar? Somebody say amen. And, and you know, God has some good things for you. And, and, and as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We're going to be talking about this this morning. So if you think you're defeated, you are. If you think you're not going to make it, you won't. Uh, but if you can have a mental picture inside of you and mix that with prayer... Uh, the power of God can change things in your life. It begins a, as a dream or an imagination, and then it becomes reality. Now, today's message, the power of prayer and imagination. Now, we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and especially on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the war room. How many of you seen the movie, The War Room? Let me see your hand. Powerful. You need to go see it. Powerful how that, how that prayer works, and it's like, it's like going into a war room and changing things in your life through the power of prayer. So... One of the gifts, greatest gifts, I should say, that God has given us is the gift of imagination. Could you say the word imagination? 
It's the ability to see things in your mind, to think things, to create with mental pictures in your mind that God gave you this gift of imagination. It just doesn't just come, you know, God gave us that gift of imagination. He put that within us. And the reason you have this gift is because uh, God's uh, images. The Bible tells us that God imagined the entire universe and he spoke the word into existence. It was created. So when we talk about uh, creation and we talk about creativity and innovation, it comes from God. And God has put that within man. And if we could get that working with prayer... You see, he thought it up before it became a reality, and he began to speak the word, it became, it, it became reality. The Bible says that God has imagined a, 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 an image of all history, and, and it began first of just a thought and began to speak that into existence. He already seen it happen before it happened because he thought it up. He imagined it in advance, and the Bible calls it God's foreknowledge. Everybody say God's foreknowledge. We're... Most like our creator when we become creative. And when we're creative, we're like our creator, okay? Does that make sense to you this morning? And, and, you know, see, some of those things is from God. God has put that within us. You're most like your creator, God, when you begin to be creative. And God gave you the ability to create with images. And when you use your imagination, and let me just say this, you can do it for good or you can do it for God. God smiles, and, and when we begin to do that for good, everything starts with imagination. Now, nothing becomes reality unless first somebody thinks it up. Now, some things just don't happen. They're made to happen, and it starts first with a thought. It, thoughts with, it, it starts first with an imagination as you begin to think that. This building, as you look around, you know, we have a building we're sitting in this morning as someone had an imagination of how this building was going to look, how it was going to be, and then it became that way, okay? It just, just didn't happen. Somebody had it in their mind first. Can, can I get a witness this morning? It's called vision. Everybody say vision. Begin to see. So every great business, every great company, every piece of art, every musical note, uh, somebody imagined that before it became reality. It, 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 before it became real, nothing happens unless somebody imagines it first. And I want you to think about that. When you begin to uh, walk into that, you're beginning to be like God. Now, you're never going to be God, but you are a son or a daughter of God if you're a Christian. Somebody say amen. So you have that same image. You were created in his image, okay? So you say, what does God look like? Look in a mirror. You're created in his image. That's what God looks like. And here that creativity power is within us. And without imagination, you couldn't even uh, make decisions. When you start to make a decision, you imagine what would it be like, and, and then it becomes reality, okay? So everything that has been created on planet Earth by human beings started first in imagination of somebody's mind, and this is called the gift of God. Now, I've laid a little foundation this morning because I, I want you to get this. So imagination is a tool, and it could be used for good. It could be used for bad, too. Some people use it for bad. And like any other gift that God has, whether it's fire, whether it's water, whether it's sex or anything else, anything that God gives as a gift can be used or misused. Somebody say amen. And sometimes we see the gifts of God being misused, and that's not a good thing. But, you know, uh, God wants them used for the right purpose. And today, many people are misusing their imagination in wrong ways uh, to be clever and to be evil. So the Bible actually gives us three categories, and so we're going to talk about them. 
So I want you to, to look at this scripture here, and we're going to start with this, and we're going to end with this scripture right here. With God's power working in us, God can do much, much more than anything we can ask there and imagine. And the word ask is when the area of prayer and the word imagine. You know, the words, you got to get a mental picture. That's the reason that when you get in your prayer closet and you begin to pray, you need to get mental pictures of what God uh, wants in your life, what, what you want to see God do in your life. You begin to get that mental picture, and then you begin to pray. So the Bible actually gives us three categories of imagination. Write this down. Let's go to the next slide. Number one, there are some things that the Bible says we should not imagine, okay? There, there are some things that we cannot imagine because our brains aren't big enough to imagine that. And, and then there are some things that we should imagine. So let's just open this up and talk about it for a moment. There, there are some things the Bible says that human beings should not imagine. You say, well, what's that? What does that look like? Uh, we should not allow some things in our minds. Now, the Bible talks about these things. The Bible calls them evil imaginations. Everybody say evil imaginations. So you can have evil things in your, you know, like I said, it could be for good, it could be for evil, and you need to understand that you can have what we call vain imaginations, okay? Vain imaginations or empty imaginations. Let me give you a good illustration of that. Write the word down, worry, okay? Worry. Worry is a misuse of your imagination. God doesn't want you to worry about anything. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. You look anything up in the Greek, you know what it means? Anything. It means anything, okay? It's like, uh, well, I, but I got to worry about this. No, you don't. You don't have to worry about anything. Everybody say anything. anything. So don't worry about anything. Folks, worrying is a sin, okay? It leads to sin, okay? And you need to understand it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, 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 pray about everything. everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. That's where we need to be this morning. We need to be praying about things. Well, there's something in your way. Begin to pray about it. There's something, an obstacle in life. Begin to pray about it. Begin to give it to God. Give God a chance to work in your life because you imagine something in your mind and you start getting fearful about it. You know, everything could be going great and one little thought gets in your mind and you begin to Think about that thought, and that thought begins to think. How many of you know it can grow, and it can grow, and, it, you know? And, and how many, we call it making uh, uh, mountains out of mohills. In other words, it just starts as something small, but it gets big as you begin to, you know, it begins to amplify. How many of you know the devil has a way of amplifying everything? He amplifies things in your life. And you begin to worry because you're, um, you imagine something in your mind. You start to worry, be fearful about it. And then you go over and over and over. And then you're, you're, you're using your imagination. And every time you worry, you're misusing it, okay? You're misusing it, okay? And it's really a perversion, okay? God didn't give your imagination to be able to picture something and get stressed out about it. He doesn't want that at all. He doesn't want that at all. So that's something that you need to take off the table, okay? Because you start worrying, then it goes to fear, it goes to other things, you know, and something that may just be a little something, it becomes a big something because you're worrying about it, you're fearful about it. Another one is lust. Write that down. <clears throat> lust is a misuse of imagination. And when you think of a lustful thing in your mind and you go over and over and over, you know, it can, it can, and it also leads to sin. Revenge. Write this one down. Revenge is another thing. It's a misuse of imagination. When you think, 
I, I, I know I'm going to get back even at that person, and you're thinking of ways that you could get, you know, and, and, and if we all would be honest this morning, I, I believe there's at least one time in your life that you'd just like to strangle somebody. Come on, somebody. Thank God we don't carry it out. Amen. Somebody said, well, no, that's, no, that's not me. Well, we're giving an altar call, and me will get saved later. Because it is you. We all have had bad thoughts. And, you know, it's not wrong to have the thought. You know, if it comes in your mind, just don't let it stay in your mind. Casting down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, you've got to cast it down. We'll talk about that later. So revenge is a misuse. Using your imaginations of how you're going to get even. Now, the Bible tells us that the reason God flooded the earth and told Noah to build an ark, why did he do that? Because it says that in those days there was evil imaginations. And everything that, <clears throat> excuse me, could be thought up, people were thinking it up in their minds, and God says, we're going to have to do something about this. They're taking a gift of God, and they begin to use it, their imaginations for violence, using their imagination for perversion, using their imagination for the occult and for evil and for bad things. And today, many people use their imaginations in very, very dark ways. And you should not fill your mind with that. If you believe that, somebody say amen. amen. So there's some things we should not imagine. Number two, write this down. But the Bible says that the secondly, that there's some things that you cannot imagine. You just cannot imagine. The Bible says that God is so great that you can't imagine how great and how powerful that God really is. Your, your mind just cannot go there of how big God is. Think of the universe and think of that and, 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 and how far away some of these, you know, stars are and all that stuff. And just, your mind just begins to go like, whoa, wow. I mean, you know, you, you know it's just your imagination, it, just, it runs out. You cannot imagine. The creator is certainly bigger than the creation. Now, we, we look at creation, it startles the mind, bottles the imagination. Uh, you know, it's like, whoa, look at all this. Uh, you know, you look at the stars. You look at all the things that God has created. Now, God created that. So how many of you know God's bigger even than that? So I want you to think about that. The Bible says very clearly multiple times in the Bible, you can, can't imagine how much God loves you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad he just loves you with a love that's anything beyond anything that you can imagine. God loves you so much, your brain will, would explode if you understood how much he loves you. You just can't understand that. And you can't understand, I, I, I do, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other, and God says, I forgive you, I love you anyway, I love you with an everlasting love. It's beyond anything that we can imagine. Here's what it says, the scripture says, uh, 1 John 3, 2. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine, there it is, what we will be like when Christ returns, but we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we see him as he really is. So it's hard for us to even imagine. Number three, write this one down, number three. But then there are some things that you should imagine. And this is where we want to dwell. This We want to camp out here a little while this morning, okay? Uh, you're, now, look at Philippians 4.8. You know, I think it's in your Bible. If I don't have it in there, look it up real quick. Go with me there. Look at the scripture. Philippians 4.8, do we have it there? Yeah, we have it up here. Okay, good, good. I want you to look at that. Fix your what? Fix your what? Fix your thoughts. Think about it. On what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is 
honorable. Fix your thoughts on what is right. Fix your thoughts on what is pure. Fix your thoughts on what is lovely. Fix your thoughts on what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, folks, I tell you what, if we would start fixing our thoughts there, our mind would be in the right place. Somebody say amen. And we could begin to think the way God thinks. But you know the problem is? The enemy, how many of you know the enemy, he, he's throwing these little darts, fiery darts our way. And if we don't raise our shield of, of faith up and, and catch that fiery dart, it goes into our minds and we start thinking things we shouldn't think. I call it stinky thinking. Anybody ever had any stinky thinking? That's a bad thought. Get it out of your mind. One fellow said, that, Dwight L. Moody said, you, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you don't have to let it make a nest there. So you may have a bad thought, but you get it out of your mind. I, I'm, you know, I'm going to think of whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things is a good report. That's what I'm going to think about. I'm going th- to fix my thoughts there. So fix your thoughts. Concentrate or focus. It means consider. It means to meditate. It means to imagine. Imagine what is true. Imagine what is honorable. Imagine what is right. So you fix your thoughts there. This is what God wants you to imagine in your mind. Things that are lovely, things that are beautiful, things that are admirable, things that are good. These are the things that you should be imagining in your mind, not worry and lust and things like that. And sometimes, you know, you get all these things in your mind. No wonder that you're down because that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you down. Somebody say amen. So you want to get back up? You're going to have to reverse this thing. You've got to get those things out, casting down imaginations, casting them down, pull them down, pull them out. So I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to concentrate. Everybody say concentrate. I'm going to fix my thoughts on whatsoever is good, whatsoever thing is lovely, whatsoever thing is a good report. That's what I'm going to fix. So the battlefield of Christianity is in the mind right here. This is where the enemy is going to get you, right here. And, you know, no, no worry, he's going to come right here in your mind. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Three things in your mind, comes in your mind, tries to get you there. If you can get a handle over that, you can begin, begin to be a strong Christian for God. If you believe that, say amen. Go to the next one if you would. I think, okay. No, go, go back to the third one. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to have to go back, to the, go, go back there just for a moment. I don't think I put it up there. Would you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse, chapter 10, verse 4? I want to show you. This is a scripture we've been talking about. I, I thought I had it in there. But I, I, I had so many scriptures, I didn't get that one down. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. You've got to see this. This is a good one, okay? How many of you are turning there? How many of you have a Bible? You know, it would be a good thing to bring a Bible with you. Somebody say Amen. That, that's your sword of the spirit, okay? If you want to be a, you know, know what God's saying, bring your Bible, look at it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. We're going to look at it together. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What's carnal? Carnal fleshly or, you know, in other words, we're not fighting with one another. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. Help me out. To the what? Pulling down a strongholds. See, the enemy wants to get a stronghold in your life, and it's going to start in your mind. He's going to try to get into your mind. He's going to try to get into your thinking. He's going to try to get into your heart. And he's going to try to get from here and drop down 18 inches to come. And he's trying to, you know, get into your life. And here's how you do it. Casting down. Help me out. Imaginations. Casting down. Help me out. Imagination. Say it again. Casting down. 
the wrong kind of imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Folks, this is where we need to be this morning. I, I, I want to show you uh, the relationship between imagination of faith and, and I want you to, to, to help you unlock your imagination for the things that God wants in your life where you can be a power hole for God, where you can be a, a powerful person. So this message will help you to expand the way that you think about your family and think about your career and think about your life and think about areas so that, that you need to excel in life and be a, 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 a person that is on fire for God. Number four, write this down. Our imagination shapes our lives. Our imagination shapes our lives. In other words, the way that you think is going to affect the way that you feel and the way that you feel is going to affect the way that you act. I'm going to say that again. You need to write this down. The way that you think is going to affect the way that you feel. And the way that you feel is going to affect the way that you act. See, every sin that happens first here, okay, and then it gets into our lives and we begin to act this thing out. Well, you're thinking about getting revenge or you're thinking about choking that person or doing something, you know, getting even with somebody or whatever it may be. And then you begin to carry something out. You, you say an unkind word or you do an unkind deed. And then the enemy begins to get a, hold, a foothold in your life. You say, I don't want the enemy to get a foothold in my life. Then cast down imaginations. Cast down the wrong things that the enemy is bringing into your mind. Somebody say amen. This is where we need to be this morning, okay? And, and, and you know, if you want to change the way you act, you've got to change the way you think. Proverbs 23.7. Proverbs 23.7. Look at it. Help me out. Let's, on count of three, let's say this together. On count of three. One, two, three. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How many of you have been around someone that's just, you, you begin to hear them say about things about their life, uh, you know, I'm a defeated person, I, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. How many of you know that, and they can't? You know why? You know why? <laughs> Self-fulfilling prophecy. They've just said it. They can't do it. That's the reason that yes, we can thing resonated with a lot of people. They need to hear something like that because a lot, and, and, you know, and, and that's the reason a lot of you are, are getting hold of this this morning because it's something that you say, wow, I needed something like Yes, we do. We need to be told that we can do something, especially if it's things of God. Somebody say amen. So what goes on in your head affects the outcome of your life. What goes on in your head will affect the outcome of your life, okay? God wants you to understand that he works in your life through your thoughts. Everybody say thoughts. As a man thinks in his heart, help me out, so is he. For instance, the person says, you know, I can't do this. No, they can't. You know, I, you know, I think I'm going crazy. Watch out, folks. Don't be saying stuff like that. I think I'm nuts. Don't say that. You're going down the wrong path. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, folks, I'm not just talking about this morning that, 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 that some kind of a positive thing, you know, just, well, if you talk positive, everything. No, I'm talking about, you know, when you ask, when you pray with your imaginations, when you're praying God's will for your life and you bring imagination into that, and when you're praying in your prayer closet and you're getting mental pictures of who you are. 
See, I believe there, a lot of us are sitting here this morning. We have gifts that are not stirred up within us. We can do things that we're not doing. And if we would begin to think the way God thinks about us, we could do all, all things through Christ who strengthens us. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Not through my strength, but through his. And see, I tell you what, God, God has some good things in store for us, but we've got to start thinking like God thinks. If you believe that, say amen. Mm. Now, let's look at the next one. Be careful how you, help me out. What's the word? Be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped, help me out, by your thoughts. That's powerful. Some people have already done a self-fulfilling prophecy in their lives. They need to understand that. The power of imagination is interesting, in particular when it relates to faith. Listen to some of these guys. Some of these things have said by other people. Albert Einstein. Here's what Albert Einstein said. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. There's no limit to imagination. The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. That's Albert Einstein. That's one of the great, greatest thinkers we had of this day. He said, it, it's imagination. It's imagination. George Bernard Shaw, the famous playwright and poet. Imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you desire, you will what you imagine, then you create what you will. You see, there's a lot of people acting on this and things are, you know, and, 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 and people are waking up. C.S. Lewis said this, the great Christian thinker of the last century said this, C.S. Lewis, imagination is the organ of meaning. It's the organ of meaning. Napoleon uh, Bonaparte said this, imagination rules the world. Uh, the philosopher Pascal said this, imagination decides everything. William Arthur Ward said, if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. And if you can dream it, you can become it. Anybody know who George Lucas is? Oh, I see the generation. Yeah. Star Wars. He says, you can't do it unless you imagine it. Well, he brought our imagination out, didn't he? Imagine him beginning all the Star Wars trilogies. That took quite of an imagination. I mean, it really did. Walt Disney said this, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there's imagination left in the world. It's a small world after all. Oh, I got some of them over laughing. Oh, yeah, imagination. God warned about the power of imagination, and especially in the area of misuse. Now, I'm going to give you this scripture. You've got to turn there. Genesis 11:6. I'm going to show you something. Even God got concerned about this one. He tells the people at Babel where they were building this giant tower of Babel where they were going to basically reach the heavens, okay? And it was to an idol, okay? They were, going to build, they were going to build it to reach up to God. And here's what God says in Genesis chapter 11 about 
the wrong kind of imagination, okay? Listen to this. 11, Genesis eleven six, The Lord said, Now that they are one people speaking one language, this is only the beginning of what they will do. Now, who said this? Who said this? I can't hear you. Who said this? This comes out of the Bible. God says this. God says this. Notice this. He says this. And nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. Folks, that is powerful. That's what God said. He said, you know, so what did God do? <laughs> the Bible says God came down. He had, he had to deal with this. I gave them imagination, and then now they're using, misusing it. I've got to come down and do something about this. So they're all they had. Now, they were one people. Everybody say one people. They were united. That means they were together. You know, you know the reason this nation is great? It starts with what the nation, this nation is calls themselves, the United States of America. Unity is very powerful. powerful. It's powerful, more powerful than what you think. They were one people, and they spoke what? One language. So God says, hmm, I'm going to divide them. I'm going to divide them up. So what does he do? He comes down. He begins to change their language. The guy says, hey, man, give me another brick. He says, the heck did he just say? I said, hand me another brick. Man, that, that, that thing just folded up. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I told him to hand me a big, what's wrong with you, man? Did you talk anymore? And he's talking a language like, what in the world is that? I'm being a little facetious, but how many of you get the message? I, I don't know how it happened, but it happened something like that. I mean, it just, God just began to confuse him. Notice, this is God talking, and he's speaking the truth, and he says, because they have one people and one language, they're unified and they've got clear communication. God says there's nothing that they have imagined they can do the impossible. They can do the impossible. Folks, you can imagine that. And let me just fast forward it right now into the New Testament. And Jesus said, if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Woo, and nothing, help me out, shall be impossible. Ooh, you know what we do, what we're doing, we're speaking to the wrong thing. Somebody say amen. We're speaking, we should be speaking to, a, uh, to the enemy and, 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 and situations that's coming against us. And, and the flesh and blood is not our enemy. Come on, somebody. There are brothers and sisters, and even if they don't know the Lord yet, they're just a, they're just a brother that, or a sister that, that don't know that they're coming to Jesus. Come on, somebody. And we're just praying for them that they do, that they're not your problem. He says three things. You need to cooperation, communication, and imagination. And that's exactly what they had there. He said, if you've got, you've got uh, uh, you know, cooperation, they will be unified. There's one people. Communication, there was one language, and they had imagination. And those three things was working. Now, folks, I'll tell you, that's what we need today. Somebody say amen. Mm. If you got those three... That's how the impossible things become possible. Number five, write this one down. Imagination is essential to living by faith. 
In fact, you cannot live by faith without using your imagination. Because since you can't see God, you've got to see imagination to practice your faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith and defines it this way. What is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So I want you to notice two things. Faith is a way of seeing. God says whether we hope for it, when you believe it, it's going to happen. Not that it might happen, but when you believe it's going to happen. In other words, you believe it's going to happen. You, you see it happening, although it might be, you know, that it, it, it looks impossible. But you begin to see the possible, not the impossible. You begin to see the impossible, and things begin to change, okay? So God gave you two ways of seeing. He, he gave you every, you know, two ways. Now, the natural way, okay? And also he gave you the spiritual way. And the second way is through imagination of your mind. You begin to see something. You know, when we open our eyes, we begin to see in the natural. But there's some things that are kind of hidden from us. You can call it revelation. You can call it uh, rhema. You can call it a lot of things. But when you begin to see the spiritual aspect of something, and you can see behind that, and God begins to show you a mental picture of things that can be that are not in your life, and you begin to speak it just like God speaks it. You begin to believe it just like God wants you to believe it. Somebody say amen. amen. Mm. And of course, you dream them. You visualize them. Martin Luther King Jr., that's the reason it was so powerful, my brother. He said, I have a dream. I have a dream. Now, and his dream wasn't being violent. and No, he, it's, it wasn't being violent at all. It wasn't being, you know, he, that, that, that's who he was. But he had a dream. And you know what? People began to take notice of that. And you know what? That's a good dream. That's a godly dream. And I, I think that's what we need to do. It changed a nation. You say, really did it change a nation? Go down south. It changed a nation. It changed a nation. Why? I have a dream. Folks, I believe we can change a nation if we have a dream. Think about, you know, I said, you know, said last week, folks, weren't one-third of the population of the world, 2.3 billion people claim to be Christians. A third of the population of the world claims to be Christians. Sometimes I'm like Elijah. Ain't nobody serving God, Lord. The Lord said, no, Elijah, I've got 7,000 down there that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. You need to wake up. You need to see him the way I'm seeing him. Now, I know there's some people on a scale of 1 to 10, you've got a lot of ones. Come on, somebody. They need to grow. Come on, somebody. They need to come out of the closet or whatever because it's like, hey. But think about that. I'm just telling you the statistics. That's statistics. Some people look at our nation, they think we're all, everybody here is Christians. How many of you know that's not true? Well, you need to, they need to come out of the closet or something. <laughs> mm. Remember at Christmas time as a kid, those gifts wrapped under the tree? 
Oh, it's getting that close to Christmas. I don't know about you, but I had imagination. And I see something there that had my name on it. This is good. And I begin to look at the size of it. Ooh, it's big. It's good, isn't it? And it had a long neck on it. That's good too, isn't it? It's got a neck like a giraffe. Ooh, ooh. Yoki, that might be a guitar in there. See, as a kid, you'd look under that tree and you'd see those presents and sometimes you'd see. Now, you know, some of them I looked at and I thought, oh, I know what that is. It's a pair of pants or a shirt or something. (laughs) Shoot, I'd have anything, you know. (laughs) You get my drift? But I seen something in there that's like, oh, that box. That's a big box. I could climb in that box. I wonder what's in that box. I get this imagination, you know. That's just kids, you know, with Christmas, you know. Now, my kids, I found out. I found out they would sleep down there and open them up and rewrap them. Now, I know Jacob wouldn't do nothing like that, would he? <laughs> so we have imagination. Imagination is a tool that God uses. And God says that you have to use in walking with Christ imagination because you can't see God. And when you can't see God right now, you you have to imagine. You have to have image. You have to have image of who God is. You know, I grew up in a home and and I, I grew up in a pastor's home, and my mom and dad, you know, well, they, I think it did more preaching at home than it did at the church, so, you know, but anyway. But, but they, had this, they had this picture they put on the wall of Christ. And I don't know, there was something about these eyes. Anybody, anybody yeah. You too, huh? And my mom said, my mom says, he's going to be following you all around. I'd be, I'd be doing something, I thought, I was in my eyes, looking right at me. I thought, oh, goodness, I'm caught now. I'm going to tell my dad. He's going to be preaching on it now. Oh, my goodness. So you can't see God, so you need that imagination. Communion, the Lord's Supper, symbols that engage your imagination. Begin to visualize the Lord's Supper and, and the communion drink and the communion bread. His broken body and his blood that he gave for you. You begin to think about it. Water baptism, when we are, you know, in in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, read it today, you know, and it talks about being buried with him and baptism and raising, you know, and you got a a picture of the resurrection of new life that you have in God. You begin to visualize those things. It helps us to picture that. And when we read the rest of Hebrews and all the, you know, those those heroes of faith in the book of 
uh, of Hebrews chapter 11. And, and, and Moses did this, and, 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 and Abraham did this, and Sarah did this, and this one did that, and Jephthah did that. And, 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 you know, and, and we begin to imagine all those things. Hmm. Hmm. I want us to go to the last one if we would. Go to the next one. I'm just going to close here. I've got some other things I could say, but we're going to pick this up next week. Uh, there's just so much more to say, and I don't want to get into something. I, you know, I don't keep you too long today. I just feel that I need to put a comma on this. Not a period, but a comma. We'll pick it up next week. But I want you to look at the scripture. Would you look at it again? The power of prayer and imagination. How many of you would agree this morning that prayer works? And let me just say this, if it's not working, I think we need to not check him, we need to check on. Okay? I'm just going to give you just a couple things to think about mentally in your mind. The Lord Jesus said when you come to the altar to pray and you realize that you have something against your brother or your sister, just leave your gift there. Go and make it right first. In other words, I don't want to talk to you right now. I've already said what I'm going to say to you. I don't want, I don't want you talking to me right now. That's what God's saying. I don't want you talking right now because I'm talking to you, and I want you to go make it right. And you begin to think of that person that you wronged. You think of that person who said something unkind. You think of that person that you did wrong. You think of that person that you ripped off. Come on, somebody. Go make it right, and then come back. So I'm talking about prayer that works. I'm talking about when you begin to pray that things happen. So, you know, the Lord says, if we will not forgive, help me out. Well, you know, I just can't forgive that person. Well, folks, you're, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom to you. Because if you won't forgive, he won't forgive. You say, wow, are you serious, Pastor? I'm serious. Yes. It's how prayer works. See, a lot of times we have some hang-ups. You say, well, I don't think my prayers are going six foot up. Self-fulfilling prophecy. So you need, you know, and many times when you get in that prayer room and you're there and you begin to pray and you get these mental pictures, I'm telling you, you're not only petitioning God, you're not only talking to God. If you'll listen, he'll talk to you. You say, well, you just don't know my spouse. You don't know my children. God does. I said, God does. And I'm not the one telling you that God is. Go make it right. Now, again, I, I think I gave you enough of the mental picture to think about that. So with, with God's power working in you, God's power working in me, I'm asking God to forgive me. I'm asking God to cleanse my mind. I'm asking God, I'm, God, I want everything right with you. And he's told me things I need to do, and I'm going over here making this relationship right. And there's some things, you know, you do your part, somebody else doesn't do theirs, then you're not responsible for somebody else, but you're responsible for you. And I make it right. I make it right the best I can. Okay? You make it right the best you can. Then when you pray... The heavens are open, and that's God's 
power working in you, God, notice this, can do much, much more than anything we can, help me out, ask or imagine. You put those things together. And the next time, you know, when you get in your prayer closet today or tonight or whenever you're praying, and you begin to think about things that you want changed, things that you want turned around in your life. I think some of you young people that are not married yet, think about that fine-looking, handsome man that you want. Come on, somebody. Not only on the outside, but the inside, too. Come on, somebody. And one that'll work. Come on, somebody. Don't get a meathead. Don't be praying for no meathead. Somebody else take the meathead. You take a good one. Somebody to provide for you. And, 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 and guys, you're praying, you know. You know, you, 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 you know, pray for not only the outside beauty, but the inside beauty as well. Come on, somebody. And, and someone that's not just wanting all kinds of things, but they want you with the things. Does that make good sense? Is that good preaching? Amen. I pray for my children every night that God would prosper them, God would bless them. And, and, and goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their life. And anything that they do, they will prosper. You say, Pastor, start praying that for me. You pray that for you. I do too, but you do it too. We'll just join in and start praying that God, and we start, again, ask or imagine. There's the last two words. We, we pray and we imagine those things. And, and, you know, God calls those things that be not as though they were. He, he spoke this world into existence. He put that same thing in you. You are created in his image. You are like God. I didn't say you as God. I said you're like God. You're sons and daughters of God. You're heirs with God. You're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I'm your big brother. Mm. Bob, when I was growing up, I didn't have to be a tough guy. I had some brothers that were. They said, don't mess with them crimes. Don't mess with them. I had one teacher says, hey, you fight one, you fight them all. Leave them alone. Now, I'm not telling you to do that, guys. I'm trying to make a point. Our big brother's on our side. Brian, he's on your side. And if God be with you, who can be against you? Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. I'm going to close on this last point. My wife and I had a little dog one time. We named her Heidi. She was so pretty. We'd take her, and my wife would take her to get her, oh, she just had a little bow on her hair. Soon she'd come in, <laughs> roll around the dirt. I don't want that. She had an attitude. We, we was in one, one particular time that we thought we, maybe we needed to, to get rid of Heidi. 
And we sold her. And this guy, oh, he wanted her so bad. He, he paid us money for a dog. He took her out to the car. A few minutes later, he pulled up and said, hey, you're going to have to take this dog back. <laughs> dog about ate me up. <laughs> oh, Howdy had an attitude. I'm tell she, she, I, I tell you what, you hold her in one hand. There was a German shepherd that come on our street. Heidi was the king of our court. <laughs> that German shepherd and Heidi were... <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs> that German shepherd took off running. <laughs> what the heck did I just get a hold of? My son called me and said, Dad, Heidi's been hurt really bad. You got to come home. You got to take her to the vet. I got home as quick as I could. I said, oh, my goodness. She tore all the pieces. Took her and got her sewed up, brought her home. She went right back to the door. As God is my witness, that German shepherd never came around again. Now, Heidi didn't see herself. My whole point of my story, she didn't see herself as some little lovely poodle. She seen herself as someone to be dealt with. She's seen that this is my court. And all dogs out. I'm serious. So my point being this, folks, you can imagine your little wimp, if you're a little wimp and that's what you are, that's what you will be because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Or you can see yourself as a warrior for God that's going to make a difference in this world. That every place that you go, Every place that you come into and contact or whatever, people that you meet or whatever, they're going to be, they're, they're be going, wanting to be around you because there's something different about you. You're so unique. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. God's favor is upon your life this morning. You need to just claim the favor of the Lord. Come on, somebody. And know that greater is he that's within you than he that's within the world. And there's nothing impossible to them that believe. Did you get anything out of this today? Put your hands together. Give the Lord a hand clap.